Okay, welcome back everybody. Let's dive into Cold Fusion. So the first question that I know is on everybody's mind is what exactly is Cold Fusion? Well, unfortunately we don't have Cold Fusion, so we, we can't put an exact definition to it. We, we don't have any sort of big scientific actual here's what it is i can give you a prime example here's a cold fusion reactor here's how it works we don't have that just yet but i believe we soon will okay so the classic wikipedia.com wikipedia's answer is that cold fusion is a hypothesized type of nuclear reaction that would occur at near or room temperature so it is nuclear fusion instead of nuclear fission, which is the kind of nuclear power that uh, nuclear power plants, nuclear submarines, nuclear bombs, they all use fission, the splitting of the atom instead of fusion, which is combining multiple atoms, multiple particles uh, down in their nuclei that and the end result is they give off more energy than it is uh, put into causing that that function to happen right so more energy is um, given than than is put in right um, I, I believe it's hydrogen um, one one of the one of the main particles is hydrogen particles that is a uh, not a runoff but it's it's a product it's not even a byproduct because there really is no byproduct of cold fusion a product of cold fusion are hydrogen molecules which can be used for uh, power purposes for it for energy purposes right so the history of cold fusion research kind of happened at the same time as fission uh, back in the early 1900s of world scientific communities kind of coming together to try to solve and innovate and create the latest and greatest technologies uh, you had relative peace here and there um, f between the major world powers uh, so the the minds that belong to those powers the, the great scientific minds of the age kind of got together and were having all of these revolutionary ideas and there was a lot of great marketed scientific progress done in those times right so uh, between say the 1910s and 30s we had this idea in the scientific community about how to create clean energy, how, how to supply the world with near limitless clean energy. Fast forward a little bit and you have places like the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, uh, launching the Nuclear Fusion Journal in the 1960s in an effort to exchange information about advances in nuclear fusion. 
and it is now considered the leading periodical in the field of nuclear physics, of, of scientific research in the field of nuclear power. And the IAEA holds conferences every two years since 1974 in order to foster discussion and developments in the field of future. And in 2022, uh, actually, scientists studying fusion energy at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, they had announced that they had crossed a long-awaited milestone in reproducing the power of the sun in the laboratory. So we, we have scientific institutions, kind of parts and parcels across the world, making these huge leaps and bounds in terms of creating limitless clean energy, right? Because again, cold fusion in theory has no harmful byproduct um, like the current nuclear power option that we have. There's, there's nuclear waste that does come, come from that and disposing of that is a big problem. Right. So the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory uh, had a brief moment in their experimentation lasting less than a hundred trillionths of a second. They had 2.05 megajoules of energy, roughly the equivalent of a pound of TNT, bombarding a hydrogen pellet. And out of it... Fl- flowed a flood of neutron particles the product of fusion now with it it carried about 3 megajoules of energy a factor of 1.5 in energy gain so this laboratory made this huge experiment they, they ran this huge experiment in which they created about one and a half times energy more than what they put in. Now this crossed the threshold that laser fusion scientists call ignition, which is the dividing line where the energy generated by fusion equals the energy of the incoming lasers that start the reaction. So it's a pretty big deal. It's it's a lot of energy that gets put into the experiment uh, with the goal of having more of a net energy uh, on your output. Uh, now, this butts up against a uh, law of thermodynamics, right? We can't have more energy output than we put in. We, I, I mean, this is done with very simple experiments like springs and, um, and muscles we, uh, I mean, if, if you throw a ball somewhere, um, there's, there's principles of thermodynamics that keep that ball from hitting something and then rebounding with much more force than the force used to throw it, right? Now, what are, what are some implementations what are some uses of cold fusion? Uh, if, if we got it right, if we got the science down, 
if all of these labs and places like uh, the IA, EA, uh, that laboratory in California, CERN uh, in Sweden, I think it is, Norway, um, if all of these places can, uh, with the Big Hadron Collider, uh, if, if they can successfully get cold fusion down and say, all right, we have these methods, we're ready for massive implementation and commercialization. Now, if it can be deployed on a large scale, it would offer an energy source devoid of the pollution and greenhouse gases caused by burning fossil fuels and the dangerous long-lived radioactive waste created by current power plants, which use the splitting of uranium to provide energy. Now, what would this mean for humanity exactly? Well, slowly but steadily, we would have advancements in every aspect of life, from agriculture and architecture to commercial transportation and freight. Uh, I mean, we, we would have the power of the sun made miniature in order to power a city endlessly for hundreds of years with the power of a single cold fusion power plant that, again, emits zero harmful byproduct. And, you know, after the inevitable war that would ensue, as humanity is often uh, done every time it develops new and world-altering technology, we would finally have a a human-centric empire. <laughs> I, I know I always go back to this, but I, I mean, I'm a science fiction fanatic, so I, of, of course I will. We'll, we'll have the, um, the UNFC. We'll have the, the empire at the dawn of the dune, um, series. We'll, we'll have the, uh, the the tulls on Coruscant will will have all of these baby human empires that begin on Earth. Um, you know, after we set aside our differences and become a true species, a, a true people without borders, right? We become one empire. And we'll go out, we'll, we'll colonize the stars, right? We'll resource, strip them, we'll mine asteroid belts, set up deep space stations, harness new elements and materials found in space that we know little or nothing about. I mean, give it a few hundred years, and the mighty Earth Empire will truly take its place amongst the stars. All because of something done in the 2020s with breakthroughs of cold fusion technology, cold fusion reactors. Now, because of the greed and self-blinding nature of humanity, it is fairly easy to imagine that there will be a cabal of corporatists, lobbyists, doomsayers, cultists, 
Homestuck fans, a good dozen groups or so who all kind of band together or even work independently to stop this golden goose of progress. And it's going to be a shame uh, because I, I think that will be kind of the catalyst for that world war. It'll be a self-preservation war um, waged by the people intent on keeping the masses kind of coddled and reliant on them. Right? I mean, we've seen that time and time again throughout human history. It's cyclical. And it's, it's going to happen again and again and again. And we're not going to be able to stop it uh, un until we evolve into a kind of human that is far wiser, more intelligent, uh, more patient. Because I, I think an argument can be made that we have devolved a little bit um, on our evolutionary track. But... I, I have faith that cold fusion reaction technology can alleviate a great deal of pains and labors that people have to, um, have to go through to do things. I mean, the, the cost of gasoline right now, it's through the roof, and it's, it's teetered kind of back and forth between, on average... $3.90 to $5 a gallon in the U.S. And this, this is crazy. We're one of the biggest exporters of natural gas and oil in the world. And we're hurting at home? That makes no sense. Now, if we had cold fusion reaction technology, if all of the cities... In, in towns around the country were powered by those instead of coal and uh, natural gas and oils I mean that that price is going to plummet and the, the people that are going to push back on that the biggest are the people that run those companies and the people who invest heavily in those companies or who all line up to take a check from those companies. Uh, everybody from lobbyists to politicians to um, secondary and tertiary companies who profit when those companies do well. And it's, it's going to be ugly. So is cold fusion prominent in science fiction? Absolutely. And I, it, it's kind of done without us even having to think about it. It's done kind of as an afterthought, right? Uh, we have cold fusion addressed a couple of different times in uh, Stargate, Stargate SG-1. Uh, Iron Man is a really big one uh, with his arc reactor. That's cold fusion, right? Tony Stark wanted a suit of armor around the world, I would love an endless battery for the whole world to use, and cold fusion reactors would be the most ideal. And we've all seen the kind of stunts 
that billionaire genius Tony Stark pulls off as Iron Man in the never-ending Avengers movie franchise. You know, rockets for flight, weapons, shields, telecoms, you name it. Now, the power that feeds this capability comes from his arc reactor, invented by Tony's father, Howard. Now, the arc reactor uses nuclear fusion to provide almost limitless energy. Now, amazingly, MIT is also currently developing a real-world arc reactor using the latest high-temperature superconductor materials, which is also what uh, Doc Ock, Dr. Otto Octavius, was trying to achieve in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movies and later realized in the Spider-Man Homecoming film, uh, the, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. It was, it was kind of a tear-jerking moment for me to see such a, a beloved character played by Alfred Molina, uh, an equally beloved actor, coming back and getting that moment of peace. and It, it was such a satisfying moment. I, th- I think for anyone who uh, was a fan of the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films, especially. Now, a, a list of sci-fi um, cold fusion implementation wouldn't be complete without mentioning Star Wars. Um, it is key to interstellar travel in George Lucas's universe, uh, and there. The, the spaceships are powered by um, reactors that, that use exotic hypermatter annihilation, which accelerates tachyons to infinite velocities and allows for the jump to light speed. Now, the hypermatter annihilation cores are in turn confined by nuclear fission systems. And these ion drives were used in every kind of ship from the Millennium Falcon to Star Destroyers. Even the TIE Fighters, which they actually get their name from the technology itself. TIE standing for Twin Ion Engine. I I love the details. I'm a huge details guy. And this was... I mean, Star Wars is just lousy with detail heavy stuff. I I mean, everything from symbolism to acronyms, uh, real science bleeding into science fiction. It, I I mean, Lucas did a ton of homework to make those stories flow and fit really well with actual science. And the, the blurred line is, is kind of where the fun comes in. Now, I think it's really easy to say that I have a lot of hopes for the implementation of cold fusion technology. You know, it's, it's very simple, at least for my lifetime. Um, those, those hopes would, uh, would be for the ending of child slavery in Africa. Um, because there's dozens and dozens of stories of uh, eyewitness accounts of child labor being used to mine cobalt and other precious metals uh, in in order to 
power things like electric vehicles and uh, computers, cell phones, all that kind of stuff. I, I, would, I would hope for a much cleaner and more healthy natural environment where people have no fear of drinking from a freshwater spring or bathing in a river. Um, I, I would want a world whose people become centered around striving for more and more progress in unity with each other instead of deadly and lethal competition. Because there are a finite amount of resources on the planet but if we were to create a resource that had almost infinite energy potential, we could almost effectively do away with such lethal competition. We would be as close to world peace as possible. Right before we venture out into deep space to establish those great giant world-spanning colonies. But then, of course, the cycle of history would begin again. But that is all I have for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in again, and stick around for more. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends, and may the Force be with us all.